0: Today on Repair Radio, we'll be discussing our Surface Pro X and AirPods Pro teardowns. We'll also chat about the stuff we're fixing this week and answer some frequently asked questions. Stick around.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Repair Radio, the official iFixit podcast. I'm Craig Lloyd, and as always, I'm joined alongside Kevin Purdy and Whitson Gordon, And once again, iFixit Teardown Engineer, Taylor Dixon, is with us.
2: iFixit Teardown Engineer, soon to be the fourth person on this podcast.
3: I was going to say, how many episodes does Taylor have to be on before he's no longer a special guest? (laughs) Like, at what point, Like, how many vacations do I have to take where all of a sudden he's been on more episodes than me and I'm the special guest?
2: I'm coming for you, Whitson. That's,
3: That's fine. I'm not particularly protective as my of my position as dude on this podcast
1: <laughs> i think yeah <laughs> i think maybe maybe next episode if we have taylor on again we could we can officially make a ceremony as as a new host if slack yeah, has
3: work. its way kevin's not going to be on this podcast anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so he keeps kicking him off this call
1: mm. <laughs> so uh
2: what's everyone fixing this week uh taylor um, so I've got a couple fixes going on this week. I as I mentioned previously on this podcast that I am now a part of regularly. Uh <laughs> Um, I now live directly behind the office and so I do not drive my car anymore. He lives in the alley behind the office. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> um but my my car does need some modifications, some fixing. So I am putting off some repairs. Uh, my my Mazda 3 needs a new cabin light and new console lights, which are very easy to do, but just ordering the parts is a chore, you know? Mm. And then I also have to put new brakes on it, which I've never done before, but is can't be that much mm. harder than dissecting an AirPod. You know what I mean? I love,
1: I love a good brake job.
2: Um, you say so, that like
3: dissecting an AirPod is an easy thing. <laughs> Well, when we it, know it's,
2: no that's the point <laughs> um so that i'm putting joke, those dad. yeah no. dad gosh
3: sorry fellow kids <laughs>
2: <laughs> um i'm putting those off because i don't ever drive that car so what's the point point? and the repair that i am actively trying to do is i have recently stumbled down a youtube hole called Building your own quadcopter. And it's I don't know why, but it is almost literally the only thing that I think about anymore. And uh so I'm very excited I'm ordering some parts and I'm going to be building my own tiny little drone.
1: Wow. I'm impressed. That's cool. Why? (laughs)
0: Kevin. Uh, Kevin. Kevin. I try to think of a more (laughs) profound way to say that, but
2: how about just why? Would so you build your own? As some of you know, the uh, well, some of you may not know this. The DJI, DJI recently released a new drone called the Mavic Mini. And I, I've always, I guess, backstory, I've always been interested in drones and quadcopters. Um, but never wanted to spend a bunch of money on a nice DJI one mm-hmm. that I don't really have a use for. Like, I, I don't do cinematography, so I don't need a... a you don't need to spend a thousand
1: dollars on a drone.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So uh, DJI released their Mavic Mini, which is below the two hundred and fifty gram limit that you have to like register with the FCC or whatever. Oh. And so that was pretty intriguing. It's only four or five hundred dollars, I think. And then I was like, wait, it, it's still a cinematography drone, and I don't really need to do cinematography. So then I just stumbled down this YouTube hole of, oh, well, you wanted a DJI Mavic Mini, but you don't need the cinematography part. Well, just make like a, a freestyle quadcopter and you can do it for 150 bucks. And it, it's actually like kind of fun.
3: Hmm.
0: Are you gonna- I, I like the the weight limit is the reason that you have to register the FCC because it sounds to me like they threw a bunch of jo- drones through, like, planes jet engines and saw, like, how big they have to get. Like, I just imagine someone just, like, pulping drone after drone. Eventually. They're like, yeah, you know, 500 grams. That's about it. Everything else just gets shredded with no problem.
2: I'm very sure that's that's the exact process. Are, okay. are you going to cool.
1: attach, like, a GoPro to it or
2: what? Um, you can attach a GoPro to it. Um, they have a lot of little TPU plastic parts that you can buy to just throw one on. I kind of want to build one that's smaller than is GoPro stackable uh just so that it will be easier to fly inside if I don't want to go outside. Uh-huh. Um so, but so you're you just want something
1: that you can like fly around and have fun with like not necessarily yeah. like capture photos or something.
2: Yeah. Oh, okay. Pretty much. Gotcha.
1: All right guys.
3: So I finally <laughs> <laughs> finally, finally fixed my Pixel 2. And by oh, wow. fixed, I mean replaced the battery and didn't break it like I did with Whoa. my iPhone. So, like, I was so worried. I mean, you guys remember, I was so worried about this thing because Kevin was like, if you're not careful, you could, like, break the screen and all this stuff. Mm. And It's, like, definitely more difficult than an iPhone. It uh, is. And I, uh, I messed up my iPhone battery replacement pretty badly because uh, it's been a while since I did a phone repair. So I still need to replace the screen on that. But the Pixel 2 went off almost without a hitch. Like, I got in, replaced the battery, got out. Uh, th- I had to reseat one of the ribbon cables because, like, the what is it, the, the charging unit or whatever, like, wasn't seated properly. Uh, oh, so the yeah. phone wouldn't charge and the, and the haptic feedback motor, which is connected to that, wouldn't vibrate. But I figured that out really quickly and just like, reseated it. Uh, and it worked fine. It was, like, glorious. I've never felt so victor- victorious in my life. But, but do you think it's because of the trauma you went through with the seven that you were just like you had the mentality and the caution very and the possible. steady hands to do this one very possible I'll also say and maybe Taylor can back me up on this because I I don't have a very small sample size I feel like um, first of all the vast majority of the time I spent on the iPhone repair was trying to get into the damn thing. Like, mm-hmm. like with the suction cup and the sticking the thing on and I think I probably just like nicked something when I was trying to pry it open from the bottom, like in that first step. Whereas I felt like the Pixel Two was a lot quicker to get into. Is yes. that just me, yeah. or is it just that the adhesive isn't as strong?
2: Well, yeah the the Pixel Two, specifically Pixel Two adhesive, is not super strong. Because you don't
3: even have to heat it to open it
2: up. Yeah, you don't. It's like a, a foamy adhesive. Which yeah. Is so very like, nice.
3: I got right in. Um, and it, So that, that I think, contributed to A, me not breaking anything, and B, just making the whole thing easier and, and more relaxed because, like, that first step with the iPhone is so rough. It took me so long to get in the first time.
2: I think the, the good thing, though, is the – so the Pixel 2 display is so thin and fragile that I think people have a hard time with that repair because – they feel confident because of the adhesive being so easy to cut, and then they just mm-hmm. like try to rip off the screen. Okay, well, so good for you.
3: I yeah, I was very proud of myself. Um, here's where things got interesting. I also uh, had cracked the the glass on the back. You know, like how the Pixel has like oh, that yeah, glass the... thing along the top. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was shocked to find that iFixit actually sells replacement glass for that. Um Ooh. So I got I got a piece. It was like four bucks. Uh, and there was not an iFixit guide for it, but there was a Jerry Rig Everything video on how to replace it. Um, hmm. Unfortunately, uh, my, the way that mine had cracked was much uh larger than the one that he used in his demo video so he was able to like get like a, a razor blade or a pry tool under it and kind of like slowly pry the whole thing off mm-hmm. uh, mine did not work that way if you stick something under it it just continues to crack into a million pieces and so I basically spent like an hour last night just like picking, picking the... shards of oh. glass like like flinging them all over the place and getting them all up in my fingers just trying to get A million tiny pieces of glass off the back of my phone and like scraping against it to try and get the glass and adhesive off and then i like stumbled on this what appears to be like a ribbon of some sort i was like oh my gosh i probably just broke the camera this is terrible i've totally ruined my phone uh shockingly i did not everything was fine (laughs) uh it just took a long time and i got some glass in in my fingers look a little cut up but other than that uh everything went very very well so i felt very proud of myself last night and now i'm like all right let's fix everything let's do it <laughs> i'm i'm
1: surprised you had so much trouble with the iphone 7 you know it
3: it it only takes one little bit right for like it first does, of all really because does. i haven't done a phone repair in a long time i probably just like was getting used to how you need to open these things obviously it's a lot harder than like opening a laptop depending on the laptop um and and I think the thing that I broke, like I said, was in that first step. Everything else was easy, but I still probably nicked a, a ribbon cable, and the, my touch ID doesn't work. So,
1: hmm. I remember I I repaired an iPhone seven, and it was the first time opening up a phone with adhesive around the display. So I was like not looking forward to it. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be terrible. Um, I mean, it took and it took longer than you know. The iPhone six, I think, was what I did before, which has no adhesive, and it like wasn't. I don't know, like it wasn't as bad as I thought.
3: It wasn't. I didn't think it was bad once I got in there. Um, but yeah, the getting that first step with the suction cup, just trying to like stick something under, I just like, I I struggled with it a bit. Hmm. (laughs) Hmm. But you know, again, it was my first time in a long time, so yeah, who knows. The Pixel Two was a breeze, though I thought. Interesting.
1: Very interesting.
3: Yeah, honestly, mo- my, the vast majority of my time spent doing that repair was picking glass out of my fingers and uh, <laughs> just just scraping the adhesive off the sides. Like that takes longer than anything else. Yeah. Like scraping it does. all the adhesive off to put the new adhesive on takes like the majority of the time. Um, Kevin, what did me- you
0: fix? Me? Oh, thanks for asking. Uh, me? <laughs> I have been. Uh, diving back into Chromebooks, um, because did, did you ever dive out of Chromebooks? Fair, fair. <laughs> um, so, so I wrote a guide a while ago to updating the Chromebook pixel, uh, which had just reached its like end of life for Google updates. And one of the things I, so I wrote a, I helped write a guide to how to remove the right protect screw or modified it. And then once you do that, you can pretty much do anything to a Chromebook, um, so I've been making my way through most of the popular Chromebooks and figuring out how to get the right protect screw out, uh, how to modify, you know, how to rewrite their firmware. And it's led me to kind of wonder whether it's, iFixit's job to help you with software stuff. Um,
2: that is the question for the ages.
0: (laughs) Well, it's on the verge because not the publication, but the concept of the edge of something. Um, but (laughs) it's on the edge of it because, um, yeah, I mean, like part of it is removing a write protect screw, and then part of it is uh, actually like just doing a firmware mod to it or whatever. So, do a lot of um, Chromebooks
3: still have write protect screws?
0: Thank you for asking. Starting with the Chromebook Pixel, <laughs> <laughs> uh, starting with the Chromebook Pixel, and then a bunch of other uh, Chromebooks released around that time, they moved to a system called uh, closed case debugging, where uh, you can actually remove the write protection using. Um, a a cable called a suzy q which is awesome it's a cable that has some kind of usb device built into the cable and you plug one end of it into the usb c port on your chromebook you plug the other end into the usb a port on on the other side of the chromebook and this is more more... complicated (laughs) well i mean compared to opening up a different chromebooks are more or you know yeah, I more guess that's or true. better or easier to open up, take the screw out, whatever. Um, so you do that, and then you run you run this whole like put it in developer mode, boot out to this weird mode, and then my favorite part is that. So I guess to prove that you're not a hacker, like as part of Chrome OS's security, they're like, okay, we still got to prove because removing the RecProtect screw basically that proves that you're not someone SSHing into the Chromebook and trying to hack it, right? Yeah. Like I physically remove the screw, ergo, I am the actual owner of this thing. That's the security layer. Um, so <laughs> so the Chromebook Pixel, like, or on these newer devices to prove that you are the actual owner. You can't, well, you shouldn't try to open up the Chromebook Pixel. You can read our teardown, look at our repair guide. You'll see it's a nightmare. Um, you'll never get those glued-on pads back on. <laughs> okay, so then you run this thing, and it's like, okay, so you have to assert your physical presence, PP. And that just means clicking the power button. And so it runs this script for five minutes where it's like press the button now, and you hit the, you hit the <laughs> power button, and then it says like in text, like in scary terminal text, like another button is coming, <laughs> <laughs> and wait, and then it's it's like goes and goes and goes, and all this is like press the button again, and then you have to hit the press the button again, and then it's like okay, another one's coming, and for five minutes you're sitting there, and your wife's like, what are you doing? And you're like, I gotta press the button, Liz. Oh my gosh! <laughs> um, so you're just locked inside the terminal typing in the numbers every that's a lost reference I'm sorry nobody <laughs> likes that show anyways um so you have to so you have to do that for five minutes and then eventually you've proven to your Chromebook that you are in fact the
3: owner and trying to hack I, I it just I don't so do you yes. only have to do this if you're overwriting the firmware or do you have to do yes. this if you're putting it into okay I thought you had to do this if you're putting it into developer mode and I was like I don't remember ever having to do this on my no no developer mode is, is like developer mode is hold down escape
0: and refresh and click the power button yeah and then okay. when it comes back up hit Control d and then yeah you've like
3: proven that you're enough of a developer to get there so i guess I i've like, just never modded a chromebook hard enough that i needed to remove the right protect screw so i thought that yes. it just didn't exist on the chromebooks that i'd used
0: okay the reason i'm doing this is not because it's winter in buffalo and i, I need things to do although that's a hundred percent the reason you're doing it <laughs> <laughs> no but also like as um uh, I I'm just going through like say the wire cutter's Chromebook picks and the most popular ones, and they're all they st- they're gonna start edging toward the end of their useful life, and Chrome stops issuing updates for them. And you can still use a Chromebook if it's not getting updates, but like I mean, what was it, like last week there was a critical Chrome update that was like install this or else it's gonna be really bad for you. Yep. Um so that's important. And then also some people want to install Windows for reasons.
3: And because you get a really, really cheap laptop out of a Chromebook, and then you can install Windows on it as long as there are drivers, which is a big if it really depends on the Chromebook. Yes, and there uh, are like whole subreddits dedicated to that.
0: Yes, exactly. So, anyway, so it's been my mission to try to get a lot of popular Chromebooks into our guides as ready to be either. Running cloud ready, which is essentially Chrome OS, but with new you know with updates forever or until cloud ready <laughs> doesn't want to do it anymore, or some other operating system if you want or something like that. So um, cloud
3: ready is missing a couple things, right? Like it doesn't have the like Linux app support that Chrome OS. No, is it does on. have
0: it. Does have Linux apps. It doesn't have Android apps. Oh, okay. And that's huh. because of course, like Google's licensing for Android apps is uh, pretty strict, and so they'll ne- they'll probably never have Android apps on. Chromebooks, but like if you're using a Chromebook for, because it's a Chromebook, <laughs> um, installing cl- Cloud Ready basically gives you your Chromebook back again. Well, updates.
3: my Chromebook has Android apps, but it doesn't have Linux apps. So now it's like, well, which one do I want more? <laughs> I could switch to Cloud Ready and have Linux apps. I could probably do without the Android apps. I mean, I have Crouton, but other... it's just like kind of janky compared to uh, Cro- or, uh, Chrome or is built-in solution these days. There, there are so many ways you can go with I know. Anything I, I got to stop wasting time on this because <laughs> it's wasting time on things like that that led me to wait like months to replace the battery in my darn phone.
0: Yes. There's a lot of what ifs in your way. Um, so uh, yeah, look for, I'm, I'm just finishing up the guide to the Toshiba Chromebook 2, which was a beautiful cheap Chromebook. Um, and I'm working on the Asus C410 and the Acer C720. I'm, I'm, I'm moving my way through. And I, I did. But you're documenting
3: these on ifixit.com as you go. I am good man good man i'm trying and
0: Great then man. i d- i did it to my own pixel book even though it was super scary and i, I got all the way through it back i'll uh we'll link a tweet in the show notes that shows me angry accepting the chromebook's demands that i angrily press the button
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right uh craig you're up what do you got um i'll talk about my success first and then my failure or should i talk about my failure first
0: I like this motivational mm. speech you're giving to
1: us in a hotel lobby. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, okay, I'll, I, I'll talk about my success first. So I built, well, built isn't the right word. I put together an info display for to put in my kitchen where it displays the weather and my calendar, that sort of stuff. And I used a Raspberry Pi Zero, which... A zero is not meant to have a GUI desktop. Let me tell you, that. <laughs> it's very slow. But as an info display, it works. So I put together an info display, and I used uh, DAC board. I don't know if you guys heard of DAC board. Have not. Okay. No. But it's an info display uh, service, I guess. Um. The problem, and it, it works, and it works well. The problem was. Uh, originally I thought the Wi-Fi was uh, crapping out like every few hours because I'd look over on the display and Chromium would say like, oh, snap, this website's not not loading. (sighs) So I'm like, great. So I'm Googling for hours trying to figure out why the Wi-Fi is crapping out. And I read that, Oh, every now and then the Wi-Fi goes to sleep on the on the pies.
2: You know, as you want Wi-Fi to do, <laughs> right? And so
1: I'm reading all these different different commands you can use to prevent the Wi-Fi the Wi-Fi from sleeping, and none of them are working. the The after a few hours, Chromium will give me the the I, I, I'm calling it the white screen of death. Because it just gives you a white screen with a little message that says, oh, we can't connect or whatever. You don't even get the dinosaur game. Yeah. (laughs) Tragic. Um, So, and then I figure, eventually I figure out that it's actually not the Wi-Fi, it's the website. That's, I guess, not, it just, after a while, it just doesn't want to reload or whatever. I haven't tested different websites. I should. I should. But basically what I did is I just um, ended up installing like an auto refresh uh, extension in chromium so this refreshes the the web page every hour or whatever and that seems to work so that's my fix for that um, hmm. what's in your x, x xbcd what what's it called the comic
3: xkcd Yep. Um,
1: Sometimes a
3: kitchen outlet timer does the trick.
1: Yeah, basically sometimes the only fix is... To not not waste time figuring out what the actual fix
3: is. (laughs) I mean, I I did the same thing. I had a Freena system a few years ago where, like, the VPN would just drop randomly, like, every couple of days. And I, like, I spent so much time troubleshooting and trying to figure out what the actual cause was. And then I was like, you know, screw this. I'm just going to run a cron job that just reboots every night at midnight and I never had a problem ever again.
1: <laughs> yeah. That so is well, that again. is the way the professionals do it, I'm led to believe. So, you I know. I think you're right. <laughs> but, yeah, so now I probably, in, like, five different files on the Pi, there's probably, you know, five different commands to keep the Wi-Fi awake. And they seem, I guess, those are working because the Wi-Fi never actually shut down. It was the web page. Um. So that was a uh, fun in a fun <laughs> way to spend the weekend. Um so my failure, I bought a broken Nintendo entertainment system. And, like an original uh, one? Yes. And I cuz I I just wanted the shell. Cuz I wanted to like my original plan was to put like a Raspberry Pi in it and use it for my retro Pi. But then I ended up Mm. just getting like a small one of those like small replica NES cases. Really cool. Um, So I was like, well, I'll eventually use it for something. I think it's still pretty cool. So and then obviously it was it came. It was all yellowed. And I decided to uh, do a retro bright uh, restoration.
3: which is magic and frustrating elixir.
1: Yeah, it's basically hydrogen pero- the hydrogen peroxide that soaks in um, and you set it out in the sun for a few hours. And it, it kind of de- takes it back to its original color. Yeah. I've the, never heard of this. Through the magic
3: of chemistry. Oh, dude, you got to like look it up. It's like a whole thing on the internet. It's been, it's been around <laughs> for like, what if you
0: live like it's somewhere where 10 it, years now. But. What if you live somewhere where there's no sun from November to April? Just like you're done for. <laughs> Well, no, okay. no options.
1: It's you just need UV light, and I think even when it's overcast, yeah. even oh, when it's overcast, okay. it's still there's still UV light it,
3: out. Yep, it'll work in in the clouds, and it'll work if you have a UV lamp or something like that too. Yeah, got it.
1: So the idea is you spread this hydrogen peroxide. It's basically hair bleach, right?
3: Yeah. So I mean, you can get like liquid hydrogen peroxide and do that, and yeah. you'll probably get better results. But like, it's like really more frustrating and probably kind of dangerous and so i've never really gone that route but the best way the 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 thing that most people do is go to like a sally's beauty supply and get some uh uh, some of that hydrogen peroxide like hair bleaching stuff
1: yeah so you spread it on the case whatever you're de-yellowing you wrap it in i don't know you cover it up so it doesn't dry out saran wrap saran wrap or like a bag or whatever yep um or i've heard people just like soak it in a tub and just like yeah, you submerge could. it. Um, so I, I wrapped it in saran wrap and set it and set it outside um, under the sun and I forgot to attend to it like every fifteen minutes or so because oh, you're, no. you're supposed to massage it and like move it around and like turn it so like it gets yeah and this is not evenly. something
3: that i think most people recommend but in my experience it's like required if you want even coverage like you need to go out and like kind of massage it around with your hands like every 15 minutes the entire time it's out there or else you're going to get kind of like a splotchy result where like some of it's going to be lighter gray than other parts yeah uh
1: and that's what happened with my yeah. nes show and what's even what's crazier is that the sun here is intense like i only had it sitting out for maybe an hour really yeah and it like the yellow was completely gone
3: well the nes doesn't yellow quite as badly as some other things do i had to leave my super nintendo out there for like two days man oh it was crazy it took so long to get that bottom case back to where it was um but yeah, so if you I mean if you only left it out for an hour, you could probably try another couple hours with it. And if you and if you are diligent about like making sure you kind of move it around, it might help even it out. Well, so I, I you don't have much to lose.
1: I did that. Oh, okay. I, I applied a, another I cleaned it off and applied a new coat and I made sure to actually like go out there and attend to it. And I left it out there for maybe a couple hours and it didn't really work. Bummer. Um I mean, it's not like terribly noticeable. But it's like, I know it's there. <laughs> yeah. And like, if, I mean, if I just like, whatever I ended up doing with the show, I could just, you know, put it in like a TV console and sort of like hide the top of it. So that's what it. I did with
3: mine. And you can't, <laughs> you, all the little imperfections like that, you can't really see when it's in a TV cabinet and you're sitting on the couch, you know, yeah. what in the, uh, in the like PC modding business, they like to say it's a 10 foot mod. It looks great from 10 feet away. <laughs>
1: yeah. And sometimes that's all that matters i've heard that you can sand it with like 200 get sandpaper to like even it out a little bit um, oh
3: i have not tried that but you definitely you would lose the texture of the, yeah i think so uh, yeah case which again like if you're the, the texture of the case may be less noticeable from where you're sitting than the splotchy yeah. retro brighting. so that may still be worth doing um you know, it's not like you have a mid condition NES anymore. You can do whatever you want to it, and you can buy broken NESs from local repair sh- or local uh, like video game retro shops for like thirty bucks or whatever. So if you mess yeah. it up, whatever, you can buy another one.
1: Yeah.
3: Um. Although you know, some people would some people would consider that sacrilege. Some people hate like modding those old consoles because one day there aren't going to be many left, and you know, there yeah. are people like you and me who have just destroyed them in the name of fun mods
1: i mean i w- <laughs> i did yeah i didn't want to make sure it was broken because like i don't want to ruin a perfectly good working you know nintendo um nintendo yeah and looked-
3: my my case wasn't in great shape either uh hmm. to begin with so like i didn't feel as bad about it for that reason and i sold the broken parts so that someone could gut it for parts and yeah that was my other- a working nes
1: yeah that's my other thing is that i'll i still have i still have the all the internals which i'll probably just i mean someone will buy them someone will buy a broken put them up on ebay even yeah. if you
3: don't sell them for a lot like contri- putting those parts back into like circulation is a good thing
1: yeah yeah um yeah uh i guess that's it for what we're fixing let's move on and talk about the latest news uh we tore down
2: some stuff again we did tear down some stuff again man
3: <laughs> those guys that i fix it really like taking things apart
1: i know it's like when are we not gonna have a tear down
3: should we talk about the Surface Pro X first just to get yeah. it out of the way? Yeah, we can do that. I feel like there's more to say about the AirPods. Than... The Surface Pro X, what, what, did you th- what did you guys think, Taylor?
2: Well, first of all, a removable SSD in a tablet is amazing. Let's just uh, get that out of Ooh. the way. It's really, really cool to see Microsoft innovating in this way, you know? Um, it's like backwards so, innovation
3: yeah it, it's like making things repairable again
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. and yeah anyway so we we went into this surface pro x teardown with semi-high hopes you know coming off of the heels of the uh, laptop three that was surprisingly repairable and we were not disappointed well yeah not too disappointed <laughs> um so you you have the removable SSD, which is not even inside of the tablet. You just lift up the kickstand and there's like a little sim tray basically, and you can just rip out the SSD. Very, that is cool. very cool. And then the second cool thing is the adhesive that they use to put the screen onto the body of the tablet is like the foam adhesive that you found on your Pixel, Whitson, except way better. All right. So it, it doesn't require heat to remove, and uh, once you have the screen off, it all peels off in one piece. Like, it's super easy to peel off. Hmm. So it's... We are constantly struggling with how to rate devices that are really thin and light like this because on the one hand we we aren't trying to discourage innovation as much as people say that we are um we just want it to be repairable so this foam adhesive seems like a pretty decent compromise in our opinion uh because it's easy to remove easy to cut through and yeah pretty cool um Then after that, the good news is pretty much over. You have a glued-in battery just like the Laptop 3 that we didn't even try to remove. We Oh, the the SIM tray mechanism is really cool. There's a nice photo GIF of that on the website. Mm. And we found a weird cable on the back of the board. And we spent like an hour looking at it and making guesses about what it was. And then we looked back at the other Surface Pros, and they all had that same cable. So we spent all this time like guessing (laughs) about this new thing, and it was not new at all. So that was funny. (laughs) And yeah, it got a 6 out of 10 on the repairability scale, which may be confusing if you look at the Laptop 3, which only got a 5. But again, we try to keep the scoring consistent with the device, so it's not really fair to compare a six tablet score to a five laptop score, even though we don't really define that very well. Interesting. Mm. So I'm I'm <laughs> fair. Neither does the industry. Yeah, true. Yeah,
3: I'm working on a piece about this right now. Um, uh, and I, I won't go into it too deeply here, but I, I think it's also important to say that, like, you know, this is awesome. Obviously, this is a huge 180 from the zero and one that last year's devices got. Yeah. Um, but a five and a six are not tens, Right. It's still Correct. like it's still pretty much in the middle. And while that may be better than some tablets out there, um, I, 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 and while we're very excited about this, I still really hope that this is just like a first step for Microsoft. Right? Yes, like, so do we. This needs to be I, I want to see next year be a seven or an eight. Right. Like this needs to yeah. be an actual push towards repairability and not just lip service for one year um, or else I'm going to be real mad.
2: Yeah, and so, I, uh, Go ahead. I, I think what may be happening, I am trying to be optimistic, but it's pretty easy to see Microsoft making these changes for enterprise customers and not really for repairability. Yeah. And I'm hoping that's not the case. It, the argument is uh, Microsoft wants to sell more machines to enterprise customers, and enter- enterprise customers need... Uh, removable SSDs. You
3: are never gonna sell the Surface Laptop to an enterprise customer that you can't even open up.
2: <laughs> yes, exactly.
3: Yeah. So yeah. Well, we'll we'll see. I'm I I have hopes. My next my next goal is let's get some removable RAM. Yes, soldered RAM is like my th- least favorite thing in the world. I w- I care more about the RAM being soldered than I do about the storage.
2: I think I agree with you. I think I agree with you.
3: Hmm. I, you know, I, I there there are a lot of ways to work around storage, and I feel like especially on laptops, the, maybe, maybe it's just because I have a desktop as my main machine, so I don't actually need that much storage on my laptop.
2: Yeah. But
3: RAM, as time goes on, you need more RAM. Like that's a guarantee. There mm-hmm. are certainties in life: death, taxes, and needing more RAM in four years, <laughs> right? Like especially as Chrome just basically becomes its own OS within your OS. Yeah. Um. And and you just you're gonna need more, no matter what you buy. You're gonna need more. And I always, like, hate myself a few years later when I'm like, well, I guess I need a new laptop just because Chrome's taking up so much RAM. Everything else is perfectly fine, but these laptops would last so much longer if you could swap in some new DIMMs. Uh,
1: we also tore down oh, the AirPods Pro. Man, this was huge. This got a lot of attention.
3: Yeah, and it was really interesting because it was like, I mean... I I mean, we should start by saying the obvious. These still aren't really repairable. Yep. So have fun buying your AirPods and then throwing them away in two years when the battery is, like, kind of crappy. They've really put us in this
0: box where I I feel compelled to say, like, don't actually throw them away. Yeah, (laughs) don't actually. (laughs) Apple does have a recycling program. We can't prove that it's very well used or that it's a good solution or that they even have a really good way of recycling them. But please try... (laughs) Give, yeah. give do the very minimum effort and use their yes. resealable pouch that they send you. Or I whatever. should
3: have said don't actually throw them. Although, so yeah. here fun fun tip to get us off track. Um, I don't remember where I saw this, but this is something that I'm actually doing now. Uh, I saw that everyone should at this point first of all know where your local e waste center is, and not just the mm. ones that have like these like big events that are a giant pain in the butt every like third Saturday or some nonsense. Like find a local shop that will take. Take any e-waste from you five to seven days a week. You can just take it in and drop it off. Um, You probably have one nearby, or at least you have a Best Buy or something that'll do it. Um, And keep an extra wastebasket in your house. Like, I now have a second wastebasket in my office just for e-waste. And that way, you don't have this, like, kind of pile of stuff sitting around, or you don't, like, feel like you need to go all the time. And, like, oh, uh, this phone's broken. I'll toss it in the e-waste basket. Like, oh, got some AA batteries. I'll just toss it in that separate trash basket, and then when i have time or when i'm going in that direction i can just take that with me and dump it all off at once
2: it's a great idea we're at
3: the point in like society where we generate enough e-waste that that is just the way to to do things once you obviously are past the point of being able to reuse, resell, whatever
1: here's my here's, okay. here's, here's sorry go ahead airpods pro <laughs> <laughs> i would know i was going to go off further off track but let's not do that do it that. ooh no, I'm I was, in it. I was just gonna say, do you think we'll come we'll get to a point where we have uh trash pickup, recycling pickup, and e waste pickup.
3: I would like to think so, but I, I live in California and I can't even get the recyclers to come once a week. So they come every <laughs> other week, which is nonsense because I have a full recycling bin every week. Um it's ridiculous. So I, I I'm sure one day, but you know, it might be like a hundred years in the future at this rate. Yeah. <laughs> um Anyway, sorry. That is my tangent. Uh, yeah. But, so the AirPods AirPods Pro, still not repairable. But, yeah, they're not. They sort of could be if Apple had wanted them to be. They, yeah. They well, could like, be. obviously, they, we already know that because, like, the Galaxy Buds and all that. But this design was different this year, wasn't it?
1: Yes. So, where, whereas the in previous AirPods, the battery is this, like, proprietary glued-in battery that's stuffed way down into the stems basically impossible to extract um, without a lot of time and effort and all that good stuff. The AirPods Pro uses a somewhat standard battery that is a lot easier to get into and Taylor
2: could probably explain that better. Yeah so uh, like you said, the old airpods sucked and the <laughs> new airpods <laughs> the new airpods suck just a tiny bit less just not enough to deserve a one. So
3: they stack less than 10% less, is what you're saying. Exactly, yeah.
2: (laughs) The battery is housed rather than in the stem, it's housed in like the actual earbud. And once you slice into the seam between the stem and the earbud, you can basically just kind of like unfold it and pop. There's the battery, but it's soldered. Like the connection is a solder ball to like. An interconnect board, basically, that runs between the drivers, and then you have the H1 chip. Um, so you you can't really just do a battery swap, and it's still really hard to get it back together. Like we we don't have a way to put AirPods back together without, I mean, without it being really ugly or affecting the performance a pair of yeah. galaxy buds you can just snap back together and you can't even tell that you opened them but these you just you can't put them back together and ultimately that is what affects their repairability score so much is we can't get it back together so it's a zero. yeah it's
3: really frustrating. it's frustrating to see them like standardize that battery a little bit but still be like oh but we're gonna solder it together and make the case impossible to, to reassemble. Like they're moving in the right direction, but with no clear purpose. Like, Like, is there a reason that they did that? Like, what's the, I don't know. Craig like had some theories, but in his, in his post, but it's just like crazy.
1: Yeah. I mean, one theory, one theory that we had, I don't know if it actually made it into the final uh, version of the post, but it could just be that Apple designed it this way. Just, Because that's how they designed it. Like, in order to make, in order to stuff the features they wanted into the size they wanted, then, like, the only good way to do that was to use this new design. And um, having an easier battery to get into might, you know, it could have just been coincidence. Um, Or they could have made them specifically so that they were easier to recycle. To you know, easier to get the battery out before you know they take they put them through the shredder to get recycled. Who knows? Hmm. Yeah,
2: it it's really hard to tell. Obviously, what their attention was, but like Craig said, they could have been thinking any number of things, and we just kind of have no idea. One other sad story is the case is surprisingly repairable like it still is glued together which is unfortunate like heavily glued together not just a soft bit of a, a bit of adhesive um but you you really can pull apart the AirPods Pro case you could theoretically do a battery swap on the case and put it back together and it would still work and hmm. that so that honestly if we 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 considered scoring the case differently from the uh, buds, but in the end, our uh, repairability scale is just a little bit limited when it comes to things like this. So the case had to inherit the same score that the buds did.
1: I think I think during the teardown, we briefly talked about scoring it a 0. 0.5.
2: Yeah, we really <laughs> did.
3: I mean, can you even like so when you take your AirPods in to get recycled. Does Apple just give you new earbuds, or do they give you a new like? Is there a way to get just the earbuds, or do you have to get them with a case?
2: Yeah, the the default way to replace an AirPod or it, like if your battery is dying, I think they just give you new buds. They don't oh, give you a new case. Yeah.
3: Okay.
1: Hmm. Unless the buds and the case are both dying.
2: Yeah.
3: Right. But yeah. Okay. Interesting. Ah. Oh, okay. Well, on that depressing
1: note. Should we take some questions? Let's let's answer some questions. Um, If you have a question you want us to answer on the podcast, you can email it to repairradio at ifixit.com or tag us on Twitter at ifixit and include the hashtag repairradio in your tweet. Uh, This week, we're going to take things old school and go back through our Reddit AMA that we recently hosted. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. Uh, we thought it might be a good idea to revisit it and answer some of the more frequently asked questions that we still get today. So, first one we're going to start out with. uh, What is the most common issue you come across besides things like cracked screens and battery replacements?
2: I would say the most common thing that we see is port replacements, USB ports or headphone jack ports, anything that is being plugged in and unplugged regularly, that's probably the most common issue besides screens and batteries.
1: Interesting. And sometimes you can't replace those ports. You have to replace the yes. entire daughter board or the motherboard.
2: hmm And we, we always point that out in the teardown and it does feel a little bit out of left field that we are docking so many well not so many but that we are paying so much attention to uh usb ports that are soldered directly to the main board but realistically those things do die and it's not irregular so if you have to replace a whole board just for one port it's a real bummer
1: cool um the next question and this is a really good this is a really good question as an independent repair store owner what can we do to help the Right to Repair movement? I think Kevin would be a good one to answer this. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it depends on whether you've signed up for a program to be an authorized provider for Google, Apple, and Samsung. Um, if you have done that, you are bound contractually and NDA-wise to what you can talk about, uh, cause what I want to say is that you should, um, make your voice heard, especially if you're in, if you're in one of 20 States and growing where right to repair legislation is underway or being proposed, um, because when shop owners, small business owners, uh, show up to hearings and write to their legislators about how right to repair would help them or, you know, not having right to repair hinders them, that makes a big impact because you are, uh, Well, I'm trying to think the least cynical way to talk about politics on a repair podcast. Um, (laughs) There's nothing politicians like more than to tell apocryphal stories about a small business owner they met recently. I don't know if you've ever heard a campaign speech, but they're full of them. (laughs) We all might remember a certain man named Joe the Plumber from a while ago. Um, So anyways, uh, that's one thing you can definitely do. Um, And I think you can do that regardless of you're an authorized repair person. I don't think they could come down on you for having that point of view. I'm not a lawyer. Um, But (laughs) yeah, I mean that really, and then just also letting your customers know about the options they have, uh, you know, that you're limited to, even if that stinks at having to tell people like, you know, why things are so expensive or why you're limited in what you can do. Um, But I'd say, yeah, that that's kind of why we and I fix it are so focused on right to repair and and, and making that one of our tent poles to uh, to push on because what else can you do really is is to fight for a big kind of um, right fight for your chance to do the type of work you want to do. and it's also the work that we like doing, you know, all of us like we like fixing stuff and showing you how to fix stuff. so uh, there you have it. I hope that kind of is an answer. I mean we're not independent repair store owners, but from talking to them, um, yeah there's a lot of Apple folks Apple authorized folks who I've talked to recently and they want to talk to iFixit fix it because they don't like what's going on so
1: yeah and if you are uh, a repair shop owner contact obviously contact your local representatives and your your state and you know your uh, district uh, US representative um, but also like invite them to your shop um, hmm. I mean who, who knows if they'll like actually you know get back to you on that but like it's always worth the effort and um i don't know i think if, if they do come visit you and i think that's a great way for them to like sort of see uh like the behind the scenes i guess and uh maybe they'll be more understanding of the whole right to repair movement
0: who knows that's i was gonna idea. say yeah uh, i mean like one of those one of those weird things about like um how uh like whenever there's any kind of legislation about airlines or airports, it always gets fixed right before the holidays because like once Congress people actually have to fly back to their district from DC and they see like <laughs> something wrong or delays or whatever, they're like, we, this needs fixing. So I was like, if only, I don't want to say that we should break every Congress person's phone, but that's not a bad idea. No, no. That's, that's Taylor's idea. <laughs> that's I, just, my idea. I, just, I, I was just saying that if, if, if what to, uh, to add onto what Craig's saying, uh, showing them like the very real, I can do this. I can't do this. I have to charge someone this much for this when I could actually charge them less. If I could, you know, that, that would make a difference. I think.
1: Yeah. Uh, next question. We get this question a lot. Like I'm surprised. I mean, I've seen it a lot, but it's a good (laughs) question. Um, Let's see, iPhone screen replacements you have in stock, are these original Apple displays or just very good quality third-party displays?
3: They are third-party. The thing about – I mean, uh, I could go on a lot longer about this, but I won't. Um, Apple doesn't make those parts available to us so um if we were to only offer original apple displays we would just be sourcing units from like older refurbished phones um and and the price just ends up being too high for what ultimately isn't worth it um you know we we don't just like grab whatever displays are available on ebay and like resell them to you guys like we we're actually working with suppliers um overseas and all the stuff we do a lot of testing with every part we sell um so we've done a lot of work over the years to source really high quality third-party displays that, for all intents and purposes, are going to perform just as well as um, an Apple display, uh, and that and it's 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 just much more affordable for you guys. Um, it's a lot easier for us to obtain them and sell a large number of them, and and so that's what we've done. Um, that I'm talking about LCD displays here, OLED displays. Um, the price is the price is high no matter what. There's not much we can do about that um kevin wrote about that uh and i it but um, as far as the regular like lcd displays go for the old iphones or for the iphone 10r things like that um they are third party but we've done a lot of work to ensure that they're high quality and affordable
1: yeah and like, like wasn't said we and by
3: we i mean a bunch of people that aren't me because i just edit <laughs> the site i don't have anything to do with the parts so i just know that that's what the company does
1: <laughs> yeah yeah we we work really closely with suppliers to make sure that we're getting the best possible uh, screens like we have people in operations and we and people in tool development are constantly you know flying overseas to like check up on our suppliers and we have some really cool equipment for testing
3: batteries too that I've written about but we haven't published it yet I'm waiting mm-hmm. to like get some really cool photos of it and whatnot but um, it's there's they do some cool stuff in terms of testing uh, uh, the quality of these things and making sure that, that quality is consistent across shipments too
1: yeah. Cool. Uh, last question, and this is the fun one. This is <laughs> this is my favorite question of the, of the AMA, Like surprisingly. Uh, what is your favorite screw head? That is a good
2: question. Taylor, what's your
1: favorite screw head?
2: You know, I think my favorite screw head is Torx. Mm, that's a good Why? screw head. I like Torx because they – you can – you can make screw heads pretty flat with Torx uh, heads, um, so they can go anywhere. They can do anything, and they're they're fairly difficult to strip if you use the right size driver. Um, maybe it's just me, but I feel like I am constantly almost stripping Phillips screws. I don't know. Me why. too, uh-huh. but I
3: wonder if that's just because I use Phillips screws more often.
2: Yeah, I I think that's fair, but I use Torx screws more often. That's true. You do use a lot of Torx. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, Torx is my favorite screw. Head. Tor- Torx Torx is definitely
1: superior to Phillips, and it's also nearly just as common.
2: Um, yeah, it's getting it's getting up there in commonality. Yeah,
1: especially like especially uh, like if you go to Home Depot and buy like go to like the screw aisle and like. They're just boxes of deck screws. Most of them are Torx. Hmm. So it's a uh, yeah. Hmm. It's
2: not as not as strippable as Phillips. Alright. I also think it could be because Torx has more uh sizes. Phillips screws. I feel like they there are very many sizes of Phillips screws in reality, but there are only four Phillips bits like zero once or you know, they go down to double zero, I think. But mm-hmm. there are a ton of hex heads and not as many Phillips heads. Hmm. I'm learning new things today.
3: <laughs> What's in? What's your favorite screw head? Well now it's Torx. I mean <laughs> <laughs> I I I, I my, Could you my say real otherwise now Yeah. My real answer was was Phillips just because standard common. Hard to beat that. Even though I do strip them all the time, my fake answer in the AMA was Pentelobe because it makes me feel like a star.
1: <laughs> Aww. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Hashtag a tar- dad jokes. But Torx is also sort of a star. It is. That's true. It Some, is somewhat. Not as star looking as Pentelobe, but.
0: Uh, ten millimeter hex because it is the universal bike screw thing. Like, if you are not sure, it's probably a ten millimeter, and it's always the um the the hex uh key that is missing at a bike shop like you you can always just walk into a bike repair shop or a bike co-op and be like hey who's got the 10 millimeter and then someone will reach in their pockets like oh sorry sorry i walked away with it (laughs) that's Um, yeah that's
1: that's also a joke in the the auto mechanic industry with with 10 millimeter sockets oh like the the common the common joke is like oh i lost my 10 millimeter
0: yeah well uh, it's yeah so there you go it's just I, I don't know why we even make others i guess there's different size parts but why there you go
1: I, yeah i guess it i don't know that's that is a good question <laughs> it's just
0: like uh, there's just like a cabal of like hex key of, of <laughs> hex uh wrench makers and they're like we got to keep selling these 26 parts hex sets <laughs> it's, it's keeping new zealand alive
1: and then that's that's the only reason yeah um my favorite screw head is the JIS, which stands for Japanese Ooh. Industrial Standard. Um, and it looks like a Phillips. It talks like a Phillips. It walks like a Phillips. This is a multi talented screw. <laughs> it's, it's slightly different in that um, it's not as strippable. Yeah. So it has um, the inside, and this is hard to describe by voice but it's the the edges are chamfered a little bit so when you use a jis screwdriver on a jis screw um it doesn't it doesn't cam out as much as a phillips screw would because phillips screws i don't know if you knew this they were they're designed to strip like they're designed so that you can only apply so much torque on them before the before the screwdriver cams out um but the JIS doesn't do that. Um you can apply a lot more torque on it. And they're they're obviously they're common on Japanese uh on Japanese cars, Japanese motorcycles, um, Nintendo Switches. Oh, Nintendo Switches use JIS? Yeah, they do. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um I think I think it's That's my a favorite. Good one. I think it's my favorite because it's a specialized screw head but in a pinch you can still use a phillips screwdriver on it if you need to
2: yeah like specialize without being elitist like pentacles <laughs> exactly
1: that's it for questions well that's it for this episode <laughs> oh uh, my gosh
3: it's over guys send us your questions we could use some yes it'd be great
1: send us questions
3: uh and if you don't send us a question or if you do you can leave us a review on itunes too That would be a nice thing for us.
1: That would help us out a lot, actually. Yeah. Um, Yeah, you can also follow us on Twitter, Whitson Kevin Taylor.
3: My name Um, on Twitter is actually Whitson Kevin Taylor. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to
1: change my Twitter username now. Just kidding.
3: It's, It's not. It's Whitson Gordon. Whitson's is a Markov bot that tries to
0: chop up all three of our Twitter accounts into new tweets. <laughs> he just he just, it's, it just ends up telling people about how to hook up a mechanical keyboard to their snowblower.
2: <laughs> this is a great idea. <laughs> I'm a, it,
0: at Kevin Purdy on Twitter,
2: just my name. And I am at Taylor C. Dixon, my name with the middle initial.
1: And I'm Craig E. Lloyd, my name with the middle initial. And of course... I like it. You can follow iFixit on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook with the username iFixit. We'll see you next time for another episode of Repair Radio. So long.